0: Thank you for all of these things in jesus precious name amen you may be seated praise god well good morning I'm going to come back to that later. Well, at the end of uh, February, uh, Pastor Lenny preached a message around the prayer that is found in Ephesians chapter 1, that the Apostle Paul prays for the new believers in the church in Ephesus. And it was a wonderful message. Uh, If you uh, haven't been tracking with us or you're just starting to, uh, we have been working through the book of Ephesians. And uh, if you ever want to watch those, you can find them uh, on the YouTube page. You can go back and catch up if you want to look back on any of them. But today I want to spend our time uh, around the topic of hope uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, And there's a section in this prayer that I want to take you back to and look at again. We aren't really going to land in in one specific scripture today, uh, but if you want to turn somewhere and you want to, to follow along, uh, Ephesians chapter 1 is the place to be, so I'll give you a second to find that if you have your Bibles, and uh, we'll read together there beginning at verse 15. Ephesians is the 10th book in the New Testament. It's just after the Corinthian letters and Galatians and just before Philippians and Colossians. So if you're looking for it and you see one of those, you're getting close. Hopefully you're able to find it. It'll be on the screen as well as I read it. Beginning in verse 15, and the Apostle Paul writes, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints... Toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Well, the Apostle Paul here is praying that the supernatural wisdom and revelation that comes from God may allow us to understand. What is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of his inheritance in the exceeding greatness of his power that is available to all believers? And Pastor Lenny talked about uh, the, uh, the, uh, those different words and how powerful they are in this verse. Uh, you know, I want to focus on this line in verse 18 for a second, and, and we're going to start that uh, our morning off with that. This line that says that you may know what is the hope of his calling. And so I ask you as we begin this morning, what in your mind is the hope of his calling? Uh, Maybe back that up a little bit and just start with uh, simply, what is hope? What is your hope this morning? What is the hope of your calling? Before we jump into that, let's just begin with a word of prayer. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you that you are the God of all hope. God, we thank you that uh, in this season of spring, uh, leading up to uh, this Easter season, uh, God, we, we sense uh, a new hope. We sense new life uh, as the flowers blossom and as the trees begin to show new life again. Uh, this inspires hope within us. May we be a people of hope And may we point to you in all things. God, be glorified uh, in our time this morning as we look into your word and as we talk about this topic uh, of hope. God, uh, we just give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So first of all, let's start with the definition of hope. What is hope? Most of us have hopes of one sort or another. Uh, Some of you are maybe hoping that this week will be better than last week. And maybe you're hoping to be able to find a job or hoping that a relationship you have will be restored. And maybe you're hoping for an addiction or a temptation that has controlled your life for far too long to be gone for good. Maybe you're hoping for good news from a doctor about a medical situation that you're dealing with or relief from a financial crisis. The truth is, is that we all have hopes here today. And sometimes they can even feel overwhelming. There's a lot of hopelessness in our world today, and some of you uh, will know that uh, better than others as you work on the front lines and you see the effects of, uh, of what this has done in this past year uh, in our community. I talked about uh, a spring. Yesterday was the first day of spring, and the weather starts to warm up, and the days are getting longer, and the flowers start to bloom, and soon the trees will uh, show their leaves again. And spring brings with it this sense of excitement. It's a picture of new life, of hope. As the church, we need to be people of hope. But more than just that, we need to be people of hope that are actively spreading hope around us. This past Monday uh, we started uh, a journey this Easter and I think about 50 of you are on this with us uh, already, some of you online. Uh, It's called the 21 Days of Hope and the goal of this 21 days is to bring hope to you but also to bring hope through you. And so I've opened it back up today for for uh, anyone that wants to jump in, uh, if you start today, you'll, your first uh, day will be tomorrow, and you'll be about a week behind the rest. But I still believe that it will be a meaningful journey for you and those that you share the different steps with. So uh, if that's you and you want to be a part of that, uh, you can simply follow the instructions that are on the screen. It's a text message. Uh, Just text the word hope uh, to that uh, phone number. You can pull your phones out right now and do that. I won't be offended. Uh, If you don't uh, text and you'd like to uh, just do that through your email when you get home, uh, you can go on your computer and you can just type in 21days.solublechurch.ca. Write that down. Uh, You can see that on our website as well, and you can join that way. Uh, It's a uh, great—we've done a week so far, and it's been a great journey so far. We'd love to have you as part of that. Well, Merriam-Webster's dictionary defines hope— as desire accompanied by expectation of or belief in fulfillment or success. So, what does the Apostle Paul mean here about the hope of his calling? Well, in this verse, uh, reading from the New King James Version, it sounds like he is referring to Christ. That is, what is the what is the hope of his? That is Christ's calling. However, other translations render the meaning with a different perspective. Listen to it from the NLT. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. The ESV says it this way, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, so we could choose to spend our time this morning trying to figure out what is the, the right way to read this, this phrase. But rather than spending our time doing that, uh, let's instead try to understand the significance of looking at it both ways. The hope of His calling and the hope to which He has called us. Almost 20 years ago now, Rick Warren, pastor of Saddleback Church in California, came out with his best-selling book, The Purpose-Driven Life. It focuses on God's purpose for us as believers. The subtitle is, What on Earth Am I Here For? And over 40 days, the book answers that question. If a similar book were written about the purpose of Christ's life, in other words, about Christ's calling, I I believe it could have a a lot fewer chapters. I believe that Jesus' calling could be summed up Uh, In a simple sentence, Jesus' calling was to glorify the Father by living out the Father's will for his life. In the book of Hebrews, in chapter 10, speaking about the ministry of Christ, the writer says this, Then Jesus said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book it is written of me, to do your will, O God. We often say that Jesus' uh, express purpose of, was to die for our sins, and it's true, but his death for us was a way that the Father was to be glorified and his will to be done. Listen to Jesus' own words in prayer found in John chapter 12 as the hour of his death approached. Jesus says, now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Jesus performed many miracles as he walked the earth. And time after time, the gospel writers record of the response of the crowds, saying that those who observed the miracles of Jesus glorified God. Well, if the calling of Christ was to do the will of the Father we should clearly understand the key elements of what the Father's will is. The believer's perspective on hope for the world can be built on this foundation stone, that he, that is God the Father, is not willing that any should perish. And we see this in his word found in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness. But is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In spite of the sin and corruption of man, it was God's design from the beginning that a way of restoration would be made available through Christ, in the hope that many, many would accept his sacrifice and find their way back into relationship with God the Father. The hope of Christ's calling is wrapped up in this restoration mission. Listen to these words from Hebrews chapter 12. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He was willing to die a shameful death on the cross because of the joy he knew would be his afterward. The calling of Christ was to do the will of the Father in making our rescue possible. The hope was that many, including you and I, would accept him. And so he looked forward with hope, with confident expectation, and with joy, knowing that many would. That is the hope of Christ's calling. But what about the hope to which he has called us? Well, if we are followers of Christ, it would make sense that our mission is also to bring glory to the Father. If our intention is to imitate Christ, then our focus must be living our lives in such a way so as to bring glory to the Father as well. Perhaps at first glance, bringing glory to God Uh, Sounds a bit like a cliché statement, something maybe you'd read in a long, boring statement of faith document. But I want to challenge you to push back against the temptation to dismiss it without much thought. When we do think about it, when we really think and ask God to help us understand what that means, we begin to realize that bringing glory to God by the way we live our lives is a huge challenge. Each month we spend time at the communion table, and it's a time to reflect on Christ and what he's done on the cross for us, but it's also a time to privately reflect on the condition of our own hearts. I hope you would agree that we need to do this more than just once a month at the communion table, to sit before God and to ask ourselves, over the last few weeks and days, has everything in my life been done in such a way as to bring glory to God? Perhaps there are some areas that we would need to confess this morning. There are situations and conversations that didn't accomplish this. There are times in life when the task is relatively easy, but there are also times when it's extremely difficult, perhaps uh, when things are not going well at school or work or when our friends betray, or ditch us? When teachers get on our case, when my neighbor isn't being as good of a neighbor as they could be? What about the times when we aren't feeling well or we are uh, quite ill? But the bottom line is this. God isn't glorified by our friend or neighbor's inappropriate behavior, but it is possible to bring glory to God by the way that we respond to it. God isn't glorified by sickness or disease, but he can be glorified by our response in those situations. What about government restrictions we don't necessarily agree with? Or those in my church who maybe aren't handling the pandemic the way that I think they should be? Is there a way to respond and deal with those in authority over us? Or those in my church who see things differently in a way that brings glory to God? I definitely think there is. So what about the hope he's calling us to? If we look again at the dictionary definition, what, what are the objects for me as a believer that I can look forward to with confident expectation? Well, first we need to understand the context of this letter to the Ephesians. Pastor Lenny talked a little bit about the city of Ephesus in his introduction to Ephesians back at the end of January. This letter is written to Christians who are living in a very difficult setting. Persecution was common. Uh, Even their very lives were in danger. Sometimes we in our Western world uh, begin to place our hopes in temporal things. We hope for a trouble-free, pain-free persecution-free life. And I suppose it's natural to wish and hope for these things. But the hope that Paul was alluding to went far beyond temporal things. Paul knew that those people in Ephesus were not living in a pain-free and trouble-free environment. It was quite the opposite. For many, they were under great persecution In the natural, there was little or no hope. But the hope of us as believers is not rooted in the present products of culture and politics around us, but rather it's rooted in the unchanging, constant, true character and word of God. The Apostle Paul, writing to Titus about our Christian faith, says this right at the beginning of the book of Titus. And this letter is from Paul, a slave of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. I have been sent to proclaim faith to those God has chosen and to teach them to know the truth that shows them how to live godly lives. This truth gives them confidence that they have eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised them before the world began. Our faith is a faith and a knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. A moment ago, I made mention of Jesus and the miracles that he performed while he was here. People instantly healed. And we are encouraged from Scripture to continue to pray for and expect great miracles today. And as God responds, and as we see these miracles come, we should rejoice. We should thank Him, we should praise Him, and glorify Him. It's a wonderful moment when we hear of an experience of such miracles. But it would be tragic if our hope as believers was entirely contained to miracles of physical healing think about it. All of the people who Jesus healed while he was still here died at some point. But, if you, but you see here that the faith that Paul shares with this young pastor Titus doesn't just rest on a temporal, physical healing, but it rests on an eternal promise of God, the promise of eternal life to those that are believers. And so we have an eternal hope a hope that in spite of the worst-case scenario that might happen to us, will be realized as God, who does not lie, delivers on his promises. Sickness and disease may come. Old age will eventually conquer our bodies. Persecution may come. But all of these, as difficult as they may be, are all temporal. But God's promise is eternal. From a physical perspective, you may be in a very dark moment. The news and prognosis might not be good. People without the Lord can and will be terrified by such events, their entire being trapped and is enslaved by the knowledge and fear of death. But listen to God's word from Hebrews chapter 2 and beginning at verse 14. Because God's children are human beings, made of flesh and blood, Jesus also became flesh and blood by being born in human form. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil, who had the power of death. Only in this way could he deliver those who have lived all their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. If you're a believer here this morning, There's no need to live in fear. You have been set free. In spite of all the troubles and trials of the temporal things that are happening all around us, we can choose to be determined to glorify God by the way that we respond and by setting our eyes and our hope on the eternal promises of God. But there's even more. Even a temporal sense of, even in a temporal sense, we have other hopes in the Lord. You know, as a, as a young, I was going to say as a young parent, but I don't know how I should say that. I'm not so young anymore. But I am a new parent, maybe as a, as a newer parent. Uh, sometimes I think about what's going on in the world around us, and I, I wonder what life is going to be like for my little girl when she's an adult. You know, it doesn't take long when you look at what's going on in our society, in our schools, uh, and you think about some of the horrible circumstances that uh, kids find themselves in. And if you let it, your joy can begin to fade and be replaced by anxiety or worry. How will my kid turn out? How can they ever survive as Christians in a world like ours? How can I, as a Christian dad or a Christian mom, combat all the stuff that's happening all around me. Is there any hope for my family? Can I look forward with confident expectation? We need to be reassured this morning that for those who are believers, there is hope in the Lord for our kids. Yes, I know that there is free will involved. I know that each child is given a free will and a choice. Uh, that they've, given, they've been given by God uh, to make their own choice, and they will, and they will not always be good choices. But as parents and as grandparents, uh, we can have hope, and we have choices too. We can choose to live in fear, or we can choose to live in faith, standing on the promises of God's Word. That if we choose to walk in hope and we pray in expectation, and we do our best to raise our children in a way that they will know the love of God and the hope of his calling, we can be assured that the Holy Spirit will bring every possible influence in an attempt to convince them of their need to accept Christ. If you're raising a family still, mums and dads, uh, grandparents, if you are uh, helping uh, in that and, and pouring into your grandchildren, take heart. We are raising kids in a difficult world But walk by faith in God's Word. Walk by faith in His Word that proclaims hope to a dying world. Uh, Even in cases where individuals have absolutely turned their back on God and may well be with our natural eyes seen as beyond hope, take heart. No one is beyond God's rescue and restoration. And that's the next hope I'd like to talk about this morning. The hope of restoration. We just sang that song, Graves into Gardens, and if you get a chance, go back and listen to that song again today, and, and uh, go to YouTube, find a lyric video, and just read the words as, as you're singing it, and it's all about how God takes the graves and turns them into gardens. He takes our messes and makes them beautiful. We don't have to look far in our society to find lives that, in the natural, seem beyond restoration bad choices, bad relationships, the wrong friends, and I suppose a multitude of other possibilities combined to bruise and destroy lives. We look, we evaluate, we judge, and we often conclude that they are beyond hope, beyond restoration. But God give us the eyes to look again. There's a theme of restoration that weaves a beautiful story of God's restoring power throughout Scripture. I was uh, talking with a couple of friends uh, this week about King David and some of his failings. I think about the moment that the prophet Nathan uh, confronted him. At that moment in time, he was clearly an adulterer and a murderer, a king who had turned his back on the beautiful relationship that he had with the Lord, had used his power to entice and seduce another man's wife, and then arranged to make sure he was killed in battle. If this were happening in the pages of today's newspapers, many of us would conclude that he was certainly beyond hope. Yet in response to David's confession and brokenness, God demonstrates his restoration power. And what about Peter, the one who promised to stay with the Lord to the very end, but within a few hours denied that He even knew Him. Yet the Lord restored him gently and transformed, to, transformed him into a spiritual powerhouse that would be a key figure in the early church. And what about that unnamed woman with the alabaster box that we read about in the Gospels? You know, the one who came to see Jesus at Simon the Leper's house? the one that everyone thought was a prostitute. Simon couldn't understand. He said if Jesus were really a prophet, he would know that this woman was a sinner. In all probability, Simon believed that this woman was beyond hope. But think about that scene with me. Here's this woman who's bringing this jar of perfume, expensive perfume. Buying precious things was common It was a way of building one's life savings in those days. It's thought that this may have represented more than a year's wages. The perfume box was made without a screw on top. The only way to use this perfume was all or nothing. But suddenly the lady that was thought to be beyond hope was bowing at the feet of Jesus, breaking the box of perfume, going all out in worship for the Lord. So I want you to hear me this morning. I want you to think of your relatives, your friends, your loved ones. I want you to focus your mind on the most hopeless case that you can think of. And then I want you to say this with me this morning, in your heart, in faith, Lord, no one, absolutely no one is beyond the hope of your restoration power, as we approach Easter this year, let's commit to being people of hope, focused on the eternal promises of God's Word and believing and in, and expecting him for great things this is a this is a book called uh, the Valley of vision it's a it's a book I often uh, reference uh, Maybe I'll read one as I'm doing devotions or if I'm sitting in my office and I get a second, I'll open and read it. It's a book of Puritan prayers and devotions. And I've, I want to read a prayer just as we close uh, our time today. I've adjusted it slightly from the Old English, uh, so it's a little bit easier to follow. But uh, I want to read this prayer. It's called The Spring of My Hope. Glorious Jehovah. Glorious Jehovah. Our covenant God all of your promises in Christ Jesus are yes and amen and all will be fulfilled you have spoken them and they will be done commanded them and they will come to pass yet we have often doubted you we have lived at times as if there were no God as people with no hope Lord forgive us that death in life When we have found something apart from you, when we have been content with temporal things, but through your grace we have repented. You have given us to read our pardon in the wounds of Jesus and our soul's trust in him, our God incarnate, the ground of our life, the spring of our hope. Teach us to be resigned to your will to delight in your law, to have no will but yours, to believe that everything you do is for our good and for your glory. Help us to leave our concerns in your hands, for you have power over evil, and bring from it an infinite progression of good until your purposes are fulfilled. Bless us with Abraham's faith that staggers not at promises through unbelief, May we not instruct you in our troubles, but glorify you in our trials. Grant us a distinct advance in the divine life. May we reach a higher platform, leave the mists of doubt and fear in the valley, and climb to hilltops of eternal security in Christ by simply believing he cannot lie or turn from his purpose. Give us the confidence and hope that we ought to have in him who is worthy to be praised and who is blessed forevermore. Amen.